Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my yes! fine metal friends. Oh, God, man, what are you doing yelling at me, dude? Uh, welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Are we on 14? Uh, somewhere around that uh, or something, man. I am Chicken Chuck. I'm Godless. And uh, we so want we to all. welcome you to another edition. And uh, this is where we talk about metal uh, on Metal Sucks. No, this is where we actually physically try to speak about metal and speak to people about metal other than us and get you uh, up to date our opinions and all that stuff. Every week, the greatest we, we extreme it. metal talk show. There you go. In the world, that's ever. what I'm trying to say. And then I'm, I'm trying to dance around that point. Did you listen to the last two shows? You know, the, I'm trying to, like you said, I'm trying to dance around. It. I'm trying not to be that guy. You you combine our like in, insightful, amazing commentary with <laughs> your amazing interviews, uh, and you know what? And now musicians are banging down the doors to get interviewed by you after in the wake of all this stuff it's so great we got so many awesome interviews lined up now actually just this week we got a ton of them coming up man i know freaking awesome worldwide i know it's gonna be it's gonna be excellent on this show tonight today uh we got uh des i can never say his last name it's des fafara from of course cool chamber and devil driver talking about all kinds of different stuff his new record his family life gardening uh Gardening, a little bit about uh, gardening, as well as uh, Roadrunner <laughs> Records and the demise of Roadrunner Records, uh, uh, as well as uh, the fact that there may not be a Cold Chamber album after all. Yeah, you got the scoop. <clears throat> yep, I don't know. That could be interesting. So you may want to stay tuned to the end of the show for that. We're going to play a new one off uh, the brand new record called Winter Kills on this episode. We're also going to uh, talk to, um, well, we're going to let the Varg muse about uh, France. Yes, we we need to bring him back because uh, his uh, latest blog is a pretty interesting one about how he wants to sue France. That's going to be really... Apparently, part of his uh, distress is over the fact that France has put a kibosh on his paypal account yep and then we got to talk about uh got to talk about this thing with uh, ash avildsen and the ocean collective at some point here that's going to be something we got to talk about but uh the latest news did you read that stuff on facebook on friday it freaked me out because i because i do my my terrestrial radio music show on friday nights and typically i've got the news all sort of hammered out beforehand nothing big ever happens it happens during the week Maybe Thursday, Friday, you get some news. Then I log into Facebook before my show, and I'm going, God forbid, just broke up. The the the, the chariot broke up. This all happened like on Friday at six o'clock in the afternoon or in the evening, and the, they totally pulled like the Obama cycle and and, <laughs> and buried the headline after six p.m. I was yeah, like, what the they, hell, dude? They should know better than that. That should happen on like Monday morning, right? Exactly. You, that way, you get the cycle the whole week long, and you can get press, 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 yeah. press, press. You know, maybe sell can. a few records because people will want to hear it. Oh man, I'm gonna miss that band. Yeah, it was crazy though, man. I couldn't believe that the the stuff that came out from because I'm friends with them. Um, Dot Coil and Dallas uh, Coil on uh, Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I'm, they 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 know you. I've no no no. They, they know you. I, I've talked to Doc before. I've interviewed him and stuff, and he's a really awesome dude. Uh, but they're really engaging guys. Like they write really well. They've written for Metal Sucks. They've written for a, a lot of different blogs, and they're really good 
uh, and they've got great opinions. So I follow those guys uh, quite religiously on uh, on Facebook. And when I saw that posted yesterday, it kind of freaked me out. I couldn't believe it that that Doc was ready to give up. God forbid. Now you disagree with me on this. I can guarantee it. Oh, but Doc made a huge error. What was that? I think. I think. Like leaving God forbid? Or yeah, what? I think he should have just fired everybody in the band. And kept the name? And kept the name. Brought his brother back and uh, kept maybe, moved on? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But at least he holds on to the brand. He quit. Now, what I think is going to happen. Now, so everybody, yeah. th- those guys all post, right, they, they did the, the classic mistake. As soon as Doc put his statement out, which is really long, you know, all the details, whole thing. Yeah. Two of the guys in the band go, Okay, just so you know, it's probably over, and you know, and that's their statement, right? Yeah. Uh, see you around, you know. And, and uh, I mean, uh, thank goodness they know their limitations. They know they can't form a complete sentence. They're not even going to try. <laughs> I appreciate that. But what's going to happen is those guys are going to be like, wait a minute, we still have something of value here. We still have an asset. We own the name god forbid and that still means something and you know i can guarantee it months from now as soon as they've been turned down for that uh uh, uh you know administrative assistant job you know for like the sixth <laughs> time they're gonna be like you know what this sucks i'd rather be homeless on the road than homeless you know uh, trying to get a you know a temp job from k-force yeah but you know with the with the as much writing as doc did for that band that he has got ownership of that as well so he's got to have so why he's got to have some fire the rest of the controlling band? interest in that and he's got to be taking advantage of that we we, we got we got to get him on the show we got it but see we got to get him i'm on not the show. sure about that because he says here uh hold on let me read the thing he was saying uh unfortunately touring with the band last year proved to be unsustainable from a financial survival standpoint i was homeless in debt and needed to figure something out because the lifestyle I was living was not working all right so dude you you want to go on tour as doc coil you think you're going to make more money than you would is on tour as god forbid no 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 i don't think that i, I he may or may not pursue music i mean it of may course be something he's gonna compl- pursue music dude, come on it may Ow. or may not happen that way it there's there are options for people I mean, he's not a stupid dude. The I know he's is, not a stupid dude. Smart. Yeah, he's smart enough to know that he's not going to be working at Guitar Center six months from now. But he's also smart enough to know that he could probably get a job writing, or he could probably get a job uh, not not music like writing. Nobody stuff. pays for writing anymore. Actually, Come on. you'd be surprised if it was somebody oh. like a, of that caliber, or you know, the, he's it's, not that good of a writer. He's not bad. I'm, I know he's not bad, but he's not like it's not like he like, writes from the heart. Yeah, but CNN doesn't from care. The you know, heart. it's not gonna, he's going to be working from at CNN.com. Heart. That's what matters. Oh. That's what people want nowadays. Ow. They want to. That's why we. That's why we're so good. We speak from the heart. Dude, he should be pulling a Devin Townsend. He should have Devin Townsend on the line, going, "How'd you do it, man? How do I make it work?" What do I do next? And Devin could hook him up with the way to do it. Well, I think he's got. I, I think he's got to have some kind of plan in there or something, so, some idea. But it sounded like it was at the breaking point with uh, with the band. I mean, just some of the some of that other statement, like the, the part that got me. They're all unprofessional. And- uh, yeah, that was the that was actually what got me more than anything else because he's not normally one to call out his, especially his bandmates. Yeah. And uh, where is it? It says, uh, I don't want to leave the band, but there are elements of disorganization and unprofessionalism within the group that have made it impossible to be an effectively active band. I don't feel like uh, I'm being treated in a way that meets my standards, so I have to 
to remove myself from the equation. That's, all right, Doc you know, Coyle, I know you listen to the show. Let me tell you what you do. The rest of the guys have all said we're not interested. The band's done, right? Make sure you've got ownership interest in the name, God forbid. True. Just have it in your pocket. doesn't matter. Fire your manager if you've got one. Get somebody who knows, who's got thinking head on their shoulders how to organize this in the way you want it to be organized. You hire a bunch of musicians, pay a minimum wage just like Max Cavalera does, and you know, you know that drummer that quit because he said he wasn't getting paid enough. You pay a minimum wage. You tell him this is the deal. This is how you do it. You fire him before you even hire him, and you tell him this is how I'm going to run my, th- this ship, and I'm going to take the bulk of the money, and, and and that's the profit, and you guys are going to pay what I decide you're going to you're going to make, and and I'm going to do this right, and I'm going to make some money, and I'm going to use it with the God forbid name. It might even be Doc Coyle presents. God forbid. <laughs> I don't care, but at least oh, it's God. at least it's. It's it's his and it's because yeah. it's, leaving the band and leaving that asset, you yeah you're just sort of in a I don't know uh, yeah you can leave it a little on the table. But then the other one was the cryptic the cryptic message from the chariot on on Friday. And I know you got something against the chariot just by knowing what your name is, godless. Oh, God uh, but, forbid. But the but the chariot is a whole other animal. Those uh, those did you did you watch the video? No, it was very sappy. It was um, all all things that end end well, or all all ends well that ends well. Well, you're supposed to encourage people to watch. If it's sappy, nobody's going to. It's it very sappy, but oh. it's good. It's like it's one of those. I want to. It makes me want to cry. It's all Forrest Gumpy and kind of weepy and stuff, and oh, <laughs> but it's really cryptic because it doesn't really say anything other than uh, farewell tour, mm-hmm. and gives you the dates. Uh, 2003 to 2013 and with, with a skull, you know, yeah. so it's cryptic. They're, they didn't come out and say we broke up, but this is what that video is saying. And it's sort of um, it's just it was kind of weird to see that on on a Friday evening. It's like, what? I don't I don't understand. So they're going to be going on tour sometime in the fall. I want to say it's like October through November and it's their farewell tour. So so do you think they're that, done. Do you think that they prayed to God and God told them they needed to hang it up? <laughs> uh, maybe. That's entirely possible. <laughs> I mean, if so, don't you think God probably would have the same opinion he had 10 does, years ago? Do, does he do that? Does does he say, no, you need to stop? Yeah, you, you need guys, to stop. You guys got to stop. When, when, I, when does it, I don't know if I prayers are that. answered in that way. Yeah, I don't get that. If, you, if you've been praying all the way down the line, God's been telling you what to do and when to do it. You follow his instructions and all of a sudden God changes his mind and says, you know what? Now you need to stop. Yeah, you guys are terrible. Yeah. Sorry. And Sorry, what's your response? Been like, dude, I was tell- I was doing what you're supposed to do. You said to pot up the guitar, man. I potted up the guitar. Oh, guys, you need to you, you need to cut that out. I can't do a really good God voice I, I, because I still think God sounds like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God has to sound like Morgan Freeman. It's just one of those things. But do you think it might be possible? I really do love Norma Jean, but your band sucks terribly. <laughs> Titty sprinkles. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's got to be. I don't know if it's answered in quite that way, Godless. I, you know, I'm just saying Either that, or they're just praying for the wrong thing. They've been Something, praying for the wrong things totally for too praying long. For the wrong yeah. like, guys, um, yeah, you want more roadhead? No, I, <laughs> we can't give you that. We got to, we got to cut, we got to cut that out. How about, how about a good album? You want some more records? That we might. No, no, we can't. So, so you're trying roadhead, to, say, huh? you're trying okay. to say for the last few years they've been praying to god for roadhead no i have no and idea. then and then just recently like the basis the doofus basis decided to pray hey god do you think we should keep on doing doing this or what and god finally said thank god you finally asked yes yeah, stop will you please stop I, i've been waiting for so long to tell you you needed to quit 
but now the time is over. Yeah, I mean, come on. That whole Christian thing is so I wish stupid. I could do a better Morgan Freeman. I yeah, really do. So I, good, could. <laughs> I wish I could do a better Morgan Freeman. Honestly, oh, it's terrible. So so if you're a fan of that band, if you're the fa- a fan of the Chariot, you got to blame God. There's nobody else to blame. Mm-hmm. Well, and, nobody blames God when you fail. You only blame God when you succeed. Exactly. That's, uh, that's how it works. Satan yeah. was at work in this yeah. one. Yeah. And Satan sounds totally different he sounds like michael jackson so uh, i can't I so can't they prayed to god and like uh you know it turns out satan wor- works for the nsa and he's figured out a way to like tap into <laughs> the tap prayers into the, uh, oh man <laughs> damn it i've been watching i've been waiting for the hashtags yeah waiting for it to pop up i don't know it's it's sort of sucks because i really do like that band those guys are really good and they're it's sad to see, but it's been happening a lot with the uh, with Christian metal bands, whether it's uh, Under Oath or a lot of the other. It's because they're all starting longevity. to read the internet. <laughs> well, they're like, we have to hire people, and it's not really hard to find. It's not really easy to find Christian kids these days. It's getting a little. Uh, the yeah. pot's getting a little smaller. You know, yeah. go become priests. The Catholics could use some, right? Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I don't think they like metal. Metal doesn't sound good in the Vatican Church, in the in in the halls of the Catholic Church. It just doesn't. I don't think Christians like metal. Uh, no, probably not. No, it's just it's not. They're Christians who are metal. It's, it's a, not Christian metal. It's okay? a means to an end. Totally. Yeah. We got to. Uh, we got to get into some. Oh, dude. Okay, we're gonna talk to the Varg here in a minute. So that's yeah, that's gonna be coming up in just a bit. But uh, I figure we go ahead and throw one in for uh, from God forbid, just just for old time's sake, maybe. Doc, call me. I'll tell you how to do this. How you work this out.
and I would like to read something from my blog entry recently about my situation that happened at my home in France at my farm. So this is a recent blog entry. We've had the time to think over what happened to us in this terrorist case. We've talked about it with others and we realized that the French authorities have had no reason to arrest us in the first place. We've done nothing wrong and that they never had any evidence suggesting otherwise. They shut the door open, traumatized our children, threw my pregnant wife and me in holding cells. And I must mention, my wife was pregnant and she was very sensitive at the time and I had to deal with the way that she felt and her emotions in the jail cell. And it was very unpleasant because my wife will do this thing where she cries and screams at the same time and start slapping involuntarily and hitting me. And it was very hurtful physically. I didn't enjoy it. I'll continue with my blog now. And me in the holding cells and they kept us there for two or three days, placed our scared children in the care of the grandparents, completely messed up our archives with official documents and such took our took. They took my USB pens and hard drives, confiscated all of our firearms, armor, mini tools, decorative swords, my helmet, two spears, my wife's flint knives. They took all sorts of other things too. I must mention, I was most distraught to find they took my favorite shopping vac. I had the Dirk Devil, the, the newest model that was had the extensive um, sucking vac that I could get the crevices of my couches and the lint that fall beneath my um, study in my um, my underneath my pillows. It was a very good shopping bag and I will very much miss it as much as my decorative swords and my firearms and ammo. 
Um, back to the blog. Most of them with great affection value and they declared that we no longer had the right to own or possess any type of weapons, everything, all of this for no good reason whatsoever. Um, a side note, I didn't ask for any of this. All I did was write some words. I didn't want to be uh, bothered by anyone. So in this situation, it was very unpleasant in my mind and I only had to escape into the fantasies of when I was a child and I watched the movie Goonies over and over and I thought of myself as Chunk and a kid enjoyed eating baby Ruths and hanging out with large retarded looking uh, gentlemen and uh, it very much made me happy so when I heard people breaking into my house like I instantly thought of myself as a young fat boy um, but it quickly the reality set in and I was uh, awoken by the gun arms of the French and the screaming and yelling of my pregnant wife and her needless hitting of me in the face. I must say they froze our accounts uh, for PayPal and this was a very important thing um, for us to, to receive money which I'm trying to do right now to sue the government or actually just France, France, the state of France. I'm trying to sue them for what they're doing to me. And I, um, I'm very distraught by not using my PayPal account because I can't get on YouTube right now. I mean, I'm sorry, eBay. I can get on YouTube easily, but eBay, I have problems buying uh, some of my favorite things like Nazi paraphernalia or propaganda, whatever you would call it. Um, and I, um, I must, a side note, on this side note, I recently noticed that David Draymond from Disturbed was uh, saying things about people that bought Nazi propaganda and how he didn't want to be their friends. And I must say uh, that I'm very upset to hear that Lem Lemmy has sold his Nazi propaganda so that the two of them can go off to Disneyland and ride in their teacups together. The teacups are not worth getting rid of this propaganda. I think being and had these things, it a very uh, sacred thing that I myself am, am still upset I, I don't have any because my PayPal account is frozen. So I figured that out. It's uh, causing me a lot of emotional distress and worry. Um, anyways, my, my blog is very long. I'll just cut to the end, I guess, of it because I, I'm very much in need of getting um, some uh, frappuccino. I'm very thirsty and I need some caffeine right now. Uh, so at the end of the blog here, um, we cannot allow them to abuse their power like that and get away with it. Uh, this time they did this to us. We don't know what else they might do to us in the future if we just let them get away with what they did this time. And on the next time it could be your neighbor's turn or your friend's turn, or someone in your family's turn, or your turn. Thank you, I'm Varg Velkerns. That's my blog. I go have a horrible day. Dramatic readings from the Varg himself, directly from his blog. <laughs> have a horrible day. I love it. I will have a horrible day. Thank you. Fine. Uh, good times right there. Uh, is he going to sue France? He probably will. Yeah, he'll find he'll find a way, and he should. Uh, we talked about it last week, and just that 
that whole diatribe is just weird. Yeah. I just don't know. I have no idea what he's thinking. But then again, when have we ever claimed to know what the hell was in the mind of the Varg? So Apparently we do now. We, we, we do now. Yeah, good times. Now, uh, this thing popped up over, I guess it was the middle of last week, right? What didn't happen uh, Wednesday, Thursday or something like that. I want to say the Ocean posted some stuff on their Facebook. And uh, we wanted to talk about this because we kind of alluded to it when I talked to uh, Greg Pushado from, uh, from Dillinger Escape Plan. We talked about venues and, uh, and bigger venues and how things work with crowds and, yeah, and how, how some, and sometimes it doesn't work because there's too much space. Exactly. And, yeah. if it's a big room. You have a trouble commanding that kind of a crowd just by the way that you perform and certain bands are supposed to be in a more explosive kind of environment. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that this popped up this week because um, it kind of tied almost right into it. And uh, the quote from the collective on their Facebook page, the was, ocean collective, I mean, me, what did I say? You said the collective. The collective. The Ocean yeah. Collective. There you go. The collective is the shadow government that's actually uh, controlling what we do right now in our minds and everything that's coming out of my mouth. But that's Hello, a whole guys. other story. Sorry. Uh, we'll get into that in a whole uh, NSA chunk. Uh, the Ocean Collective uh, said, uh, we are, or what are these stupid, quote unquote, no jumping in the crowd rules on a tour which gloats about being the, quote unquote, most extreme tour of the year? Seriously, I don't get it. This is a there this is the fifth night in a row that we can't go into the crowd because of stupid agency or venue policies. Now which agency are they talking about? The booking agency? Probably. It's probably a it's well yeah, it's either yeah, because yeah, the booking agency like would book the whole tour. No. A, no, a booking agent books the venue. No, the promoter books the venue. Well, I don't dude, there's like so many people involved these days and yeah. they all do sort of the same thing. Oh, whatever. Uh, and you know, they all got to get paid. Uh, but it's uh, it goes on. I'm getting bored. Someone tell these dumb fucks that stage diving doesn't kill people and that stage barriers and six foot ditches won't stop us from leaping into the crowd. Uh, that just makes the leap a little longer and a little more dangerous for everyone. It's um yeah, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. How could you not know? I get it. I totally get it. I, I get exactly what they're saying. I mean, I understand exactly what they're saying, but there are two sides to every story. I think the interesting thing in this is that I understand a band's opinion, not being able to do whatever they feel is the right thing to do. If they feel it's right to jump into the crowd, jump into the effing crowd. Yes. You know, go for it. Do it. Do your thing. Absolutely. I want them to be able to do that and have that kind of freedom. They should be able to do all of those things. And not have to worry about it and, and and go for it. If they get hurt, they get hurt. If Ben Wyman breaks his hand, he breaks his hand. That's right. Those things happen. So they have to be they have to be expecting that. What they're saying is that the tour and the venues and the bookers and the promoters and those people are keeping them from doing what they feel they should be doing on stage. Yeah, because everybody's stopping them from being lame or stopping them from being anything but lame. <laughs> and and that sucks. Yeah, it totally sucks. Because you know, how many shows do you go to where the bands just stand on stage and bob their head? And, and you bitch and about play? it because it, they're just... It's boring as all hell. Come on. Somebody's got to take the, the a page out of Great White's book. You know, those guys know how to put on a show. Light, light it on fire? Hell yeah. <laughs> Set the whole place on fire. Let's murder <laughs> everybody. Oh, that's a great idea. Pyrotechnics. Yeah, dog. That's I'll tell you, you, the people that survived that show don't never will never forget it man never forget it that's what you need you need a show that's memorable i don't care how you do it and well and i mean like we talked about it about a dillinger escape plan show it is completely different in a small little tiny venue yep it is explosive it's a very weird thing to, to watch it like seeing them over over time and over several venues and how it worked 
I mean, it's it's literally the firecracker in your hand. You close your hand and you just blew your thumb off. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, a small place like that, it goes insane. That's awesome. It's great. It's amazing. And it creates a whole different atmosphere. That's and what a whole you want to show. go to. That's what metal should be. Now, the the daddy in me at the at the same time says, well, wait a minute. Now, what happens if somebody gets hurt? People get hurt. That's the fun of it. I know. It's fun to me. Yeah. I mean, I used to come out of the pit with a bloody nose and go, yeah. Right. I nearly got killed at the creator show. You know, I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I think that's a good thing, and it's an experience that you'll never forget. Uh, you know, pissing blood after a Pantera show. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Yeah, I've I've definitely been there. Did I did I sue Sunken Garden Theater uh, because I was pissing blood? Did I make them pay my medical bills? No, I did not. No. But I think nowadays the response that from from the Summer Slaughter tour and Ash Avildsen, the creator of the Summer Slaughter tour. In a way, is the daddy response here? You know, of the, of that that sort of idea. They're the These, man. They're the man. You know, this isn't. Is it, it's not that simple. It's just not that simple. Of course, it it's really simple. isn't. It's no. totally simple. No, this no, this no. is this is metal. This is extreme. This is supposed to be bands trying to really push the envelope, be entertaining, and at the same time be violent and embody your music. Do something huge. Do something that people won't forget. And 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 and. And, and be one with the audience. The audience is going to go crazy. You go crazy. Everybody's going crazy. That's an awesome show. But the problem you have is when little Johnny, who's 14, goes in there, he gets a bloody nose from a Doc Martin to the head. Oh, yeah. And he comes out, and Mommy's waiting to pick him up in the Lexus. Uh-huh. And he hops in, and she freaks the F out because he's bloody and doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. She decides to sue the venue, to sue the band, to sue the promoter, to sue the record label, to sue everybody involved, and it puts a kibosh on everything. Look, I, I'm not going to fight the, everything. I'm not going to put. I'm not going to fight the promoter's battle. I'm not going to fight the venue's battle. Whole thing. If you want to have every every show happen with assigned seating. Then that's what's going to happen. But that's, that's my point. That, that's my point. I mean, how, I, but how can how can somebody be pissed off about something like that when they know that this is what happens? Especially when they're touring with a band like Dillinger Escape Plan, who has been sued before. They so that has happened to them before, and they have gotten screwed by that before. So you know you. But it doesn't stop them, does it? No, it doesn't. And they got their own insurance, right? Well, I guess that's the difference. I mean, and, and there's nothing more metal than insurance. Yep. I'm just saying that 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 you know what do this is what happens. The summer slaughter tour you, you brought t- to you by Geico. You make sure your band is an LLC, and then the, yeah, you actually, get sued, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. boom, you're done, yeah, done with true. the band. Uh, oh God, forbid. I've had that discussion about Maybe the, that's what happened. The, the legal aspects about about all this stuff is like making sure that as a as a band, any kind of band out there, you make sure you have all your legal sorted before right. you do anything. Because, man, you could get totally totally raped by some of the stuff that, that happens. I mean, but, the guys I mean, in Great White who survived, they're, they're doing all right, right. But I think that the that a lot of people... <laughs> you're terrible. Uh, that a lot of people were jumping on uh, on Ash Avelson's case because he was, you know, he's really playing the daddy character in this thing. Yeah. Where he's like, you know, by the way, uh, you guys are a bunch of uh, pussies for not, uh, not just playing a show and enjoying yourself. And, uh, hey, just be happy where you are. He's a pussy. And it's just I I don't know I think he but I think he has a point. Yeah, I mean, but he I did think it the wrong really way. You know, what do you mean the wrong way? He did I mean, it the wrong way. He instead of instead of going, look, man, uh, this is what it is, and I'm afraid of getting sued, and I'd really love it if you guys could put on the show that you want to put on and do what you want to do. That's metal. That's awesome. That's why I got into this music was because of the excitement. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and that's what I wish could happen, but I can't. Instead of saying that, it's like, hey, shut up, <laughs> just stand there and hope that everybody's going to pay to see Summer Slaughter next year because they were bored out of their minds. I thought. I think the what, what was the, the let's see the line here. It's uh it's it was about the summer slaughter tour. I think he was just pissed because he, he they called out the summer slaughter tour as being the most extreme metal tour <laughs> because because it's he says quote uh, from his Facebook response. Uh, Summer Slaughter is called the most extreme metal tour of the year because of the music. It's the only tour that puts 10 national acts who play progressive extreme music all on one stage inside a club during the summer in North America. It's not called this because ba- because of bands doing vintage stage antics, which I like that. Oh. I was like, ooh, dude. No. Oh, man. No. Oh, Are you, you trying to say that Dillinger Escape Plan, what they do is not the most vintage co- stage it's, antics. It's like the most unique thing you've ever seen on stage. Well, and that's the thing. That's what got me about the, his whole response. Everybody was dogging on him about, hey, you shouldn't have responded on Facebook. I'm like, well, they put it out on Facebook to begin with. Right. So who cares if he responds to it on Facebook? Oh, you should have just talked to the guys about it. Well, whatever. If they went public with it, then he needs to be have a public response. So that's totally legit. Where where I go, where I think he went wrong is, is like, oh, dude, you just got to pull back from the name calling. You know, that it's like that's the stuff that reduces it down to sort of a childish kind of thing. Right. You've got a point. You've got a total valid point. There's a total reason for these venues doing this stuff. They're protecting their own ass. They're trying to make sure that they don't get sued. Everybody's trying to make sure that, that that, that any little bit of money that's going to be made off this tour is made and is not taken out by one lawsuit. So I get that. There's a legit point there. But dude, it he's, was kind of a kind of a eh, whatever me scream. He's pooping where he eats. I mean, who you know? You go to see Ghost not because they play music because I don't know if you call it that. <laughs> you go because Ghost are supposed to have a really incredible stage show. Yeah. I don't know. I've never seen them, but yeah. they're going to come around. I'm going to try to see them, even though their music is awful because I want to see what everybody's talking about. Dillinger Escape Plan, same thing. You go because you've heard it's totally insane. Yeah. Exactly, it's unique, and and you know what? This guy's pooping where he eats because he's he's scared. How metal is being scared? He is scared of being sued. You know what? Deal with it when it happens. Don't be scared of something that's possible. You want to be able to have everybody who comes to your show have a really great time if they survive, and that's that's metal. That's awesome, and that's what's going to get people to buy tickets next year. I don't know. I think the only thing in in that is that okay, if you're if you're a tour and you're a promoter and you got that, you got insurance, you got your you got your ass covered. The venues are what usually get get totally hosed in in the middle of all this, and the venues are the ones that really have to watch their ass. They're not prepared for it. And what'll happen is is I don't want to see more venues go out of business because of something like this. It could be a destroyer of a business. But and they could, it could put be a, the end of a business. Put up your signs, and then you've got lease, you know. But Some, you still have to legally. You got an expensive you, fight, and there ought to be tort reform yeah. and blah blah blah. But if you're a venue and you're I'm booking saying, metal bands, it's a cost of doing business. Well, that's great and all cost of doing business but you can destroy a metal scene by taking out one venue it's dangerous it's damn dangerous man i'll tell you what you gotta so be careful out there. you know what gets me and i'm opening up another can of worms you know. and no I don't ab- open a can of worms we gotta we gotta we gotta, no. we gotta move on no 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 can of worms no, no can of worms we've already running long for this one damn. man all right so, so we gotta get we got actually gotta talk to des man uh i got to interview des a little a few weeks back we wanted to push it push it back a little bit they got the new album that's coming out uh called winter kills coming out i think august 27th so i had a chance to chat with him about that and uh, his private life uh his kids and all that other good stuff future of cold chamber des is a man 
like no other man. Last time I talked to you, I think we talked to about dogs and weed. I think it was pretty much what we talked about. When you were in uh, High Times, I think, the last time we spoke. So. Oh, there you go. Okay. It's been a little while. A few a few things have happened, man. So you get to spend a little time at home before you get get going back out? Yeah, I got two weeks. Uh, or no, I got three weeks here. And um, like I said, about a week from now, we start rehearsing. And then we go overseas to do some festivals. And uh, then we come, we come back here in September, October. And November, December, we do the stage, so I'm pretty excited. Do you get to relax at all? I mean, like, in your downtime, and what do, what do you do to kind of chill out when you get back home? Do you get back into a routine, or do you just kind of wing it? No, you know, man, I chill out with my family. I chill out with my wife and my kids, go swimming, hang out with the dogs, cook dinner, all the normal, normal things. I try to have a real normal life back here, you know what I mean? Um, life on the road can be pretty crazy, so here I try to make it as normal as possible, and you know, everything from, you know, I mean, I got home and three days later I started gardening and redid the front front of the house for my wife and, you know what I mean, I just, normal, normal shit. So, yeah, that's uh, th- that seems weird. I for some reason I seeing Des out there with a uh, with a shovel digging, uh, putting in shrubs seems a little odd uh, to me. Uh, dude, let's let's not forget. I mean, I was a construction worker before I got signed, so I was on the job site from seven a.m. You know, uh, or from five a.m. You know, since I was seven years old, it's like you know, I, I know. I know what hard work is, so when something's ready to be done around the house, I do it for myself. See, I hear that from a lot of people. Actually, I've talked to a lot of you know a lot of bands over the years, and there's uh, uh, still that's like to do a lot of that hands-on stuff themselves in general. You know, dudes that are plumbers when they get back home and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, look, I, I live a you know I live a, a nice working-class life. My kids, my kids, and my wife are provided for, um, but I like to live a, a normal life, and that that includes you know. Mowing my own lawn and doing my own gardening, you know what I mean? <laughs> totally, right? So there is a, there is some kind of zen about mowing your own grass, right? Well, just getting off tour and knowing that you have grass to mow is a good thing. You know, I worked long and hard to buy my house, and uh, my family worked long and hard and waited for, you know, for the house, and you got to take care of the house. I mean, just like any man working, you know? Yeah. The only difference is I get on a tour bus and play shows, you know? Otherwise, I consider myself pretty blue collar over and overall. I don't know. Getting on a bus and and playing shows is a it's a hell of a lot of work too. Oh yeah, I mean people don't realize that. I mean, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bitch, obviously, because I, like I said, I used to being on the job site all my life. But uh, yeah, it can be difficult. I mean, for sure, there's got it's got its ups and downs. Um, but I love music and I love what I do. And I've been in it for 20 years, so I uh, you know I, I obviously am a lifer and obviously love what I do and. You know, I think the new record, Winter Kills, for me, is like one of those rebirth moments musically where I'm having a great time. I'm in a fabulous headspace and getting ready to put out some good art with a, a, a kick-ass band. And so I'm, I'm kind of on top of the world and having a good time right now. So yeah, what, is, uh, what, what makes this one different than all of the other albums that have come before it? I think it's very rare that, that a band makes their best records on their third, fourth, fifth, sixth record. But I think that's just what Double Driver does. There's two kinds of bands. One that... You know, they put out their first or second record, and they're great. And after that, everything is just trying to follow suit on those records. But Devil Driver is a different kind of story. We, we've managed to put out six, you know, we have a sixth one coming out. So we've managed to put out five records. Everything has a signature sound, but 
is definitely diverse and different. Our whole catalog, each record sounds different from the next. So there's a growth factor there that I love. Um, what sounds different about this record, I think it's a very cohesive record. It's uh, full of groove, full of hook, really tight arrangements. The playing is, uh, is phenomenal. I mean, if I was a drummer and I was 13 trying to learn this stuff in my garage, I would be having a hard time, you know. Yeah. Guys, worked really, guys worked really hard on it. We know we're with a new label, uh, several new labels. We signed with Metal Blade over in Japan, Napalm Records for here and, and the U.K. and Europe. We stayed with Roadrunner Warner Brothers in Australia. And I, we knew we had to make a good, good record right now. And I, I think, and I've never said this over my career with Devil Driver or, or Colson, but I think we've made our best record. And, some, and uh, somebody said to me yesterday when I said that, well, where does that leave you with press for the next record? <laughs> and I said, I said, where it leaves me is you've got to understand I have a new bass player, full-time bass player, that's an amazing writer and that we didn't use on this record because the record was primarily written before we, he joined full-time. So he's in my pocket for the next record. That's my secret weapon right there, you know. Um, I think the writers all, all, all came into play with really good stuff. I think different members in the band have taken different leads over time in writing the records, and I think that's brought it, that's brought it some difference as well. So, you know, all that, all that said, man, we're, we're excited to be launching Winter Kills and get it out there. So you've always seemed like a really really loyal kind of dude as far as obviously family and stuff but with the with the people and other musicians and you know you were on roadrunner for many years how is working with the with a new label i mean i know you're working with roadrunner overseas or whatever but uh but with uh napalm in the states well i mean it's it's amazing here's the thing man in the states this is where roadrunner lacked for us is actually in the states i think from the very get-go uh, when they put out the first Devil Driver record that year, they put out a best of Cold Chamber and a best of B sides. Mm. They just really didn't. They really didn't. You know, didn't get behind us. I stayed with them through loyalty, man. And then watching everybody get fired and everybody get let go from that company, everybody that worked me, everybody that signed me, it just didn't feel like the right house anymore. And I watched what they did with Pray for Villains and our last record, Beast, which was basically nothing. Uh, and so everything we built. Uh, you know, all the people that we've built that come to see Devil Driver shows, we've built on our own. I mean, that's, that's, and the people that have, like yourself, that will call and, and do press with us, you know. So it was time to move. And what, what, I, what I've seen now with Napalm is uh, guys with a good business sense, strong passion for the music. They want a flagship in the United States, and we're willing to be there for them. And the main, the main thing is passion. They have passion for the music. When I was sending them demos, they were loving it. When I sent them the record, you know, I got 50 people from the label emailing me going, holy shit, you know. And so that feels good to me, you know, to have people back you that have passion. Uh, we'll see in the future, you know, talk to me in a year and I'll be able to tell you better. Yeah. But right now, right now, she just walked in the door and she looks hot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you, she may go crazy on you later, but uh, but for the time being, it's all good. Yeah, and you know what? Some of that craziness may be worth it if she's looking that good. And exactly, she's looking hot right now. So we'll we'll see what happens. It seems like that passion is going to be what moves everybody forward when the old dinosaurs of the label of labels are having trouble figuring out which direction to go. A lot of these smaller labels or a lot of the newer labels are a little more nimble and able to do things and have those passionate people that used to work at the bigs working for them now. Right. And it's not even about money or money thrown at you or, you know, we'll only take out these ads. It's really about the passion. And I just didn't feel it over there anymore. And I thank them for 
picking me up out of the streets of L.A. when I was, you know, a little street punk kid living underneath bridges, basically, fighting for Top Ramen and, and giving me a deal. And I, I thank them for that, but they lost their passion over time. And then so it's time to move on, you know, that, that being said, it's time to move on. Yeah, you saw a lot of a lot of good people get let go in that last big round of of uh, layoffs and stuff that happened. Oh, uh, dude, well, yeah, dude, when you start letting go of bands like Machine Head and Soulfly and this and that, I mean, let go like they're not even leaving; they're getting let go. It's like, what the hell is going on? What are you thinking? I mean, uh, of course you're, you know, I just it's just retarded to me. It was the premier metal label in the world, period. And I understand business, and I understand selling for you know. $40 million or whatever they did. And I totally get it. I mean, if I owned that business and I was the owner and I was in my 70s, I may want to skate out too. They should have done it in some kind of some kind of manner that really protected the acts that helped them build the label. And I was one of them. I gave them one of their first gold records way before Slipknot came along, way before any of those bands came along. I gave them a gold record and that helped them to, to parlay themselves and to sign other bands, you know? Yeah. You know, that, be, that being said, I can't, I can't bitch and I do respect them for all they've done for me in the past. And I... Wish everybody that's gone from the label a, a great future, but I'm glad that I'm gone and I'm feeling passion in music right now, and that that just says it all for me, you know. Well, yeah, and it gets away from the people that are passionate about it, or the people that are music oriented people, and let the people on Wall Street dictate a little bit more of what's happening in the business of the business side of things. Because you got to have some of that, and you got to have somebody right, that's well. You have to have a, you have to have a lot about that. I mean, you have to have you have to have a, a music sense, an artistic sense. You have to have a business sense. If you don't have either, you're not going to survive very long. Yeah. And I've, ma- I've managed to have them both. I just fortunately knew it was time to go. We talked to the label. It uh, was a mutual thing where, you know, they didn't know what they were going to do with the next record and this and that. And I knew personally that I knew I had these songs in the can. And I said to my manager, you know, hey, if they pick up the option, I want to try to fight it. I don't want it. I don't want to put this music on Roadrunner. I mean, not this next record. It's too important for my life. You know, Devil Driver's been around uh, for 10 years. Uh, they're on our sixth record, uh, but we're extremely relevant. And so if you don't get that, then it's time for us to move on, you know? So what are some of the ways you think bands can stay relevant without a label or with smaller labels? And what are some well, of the effective tools these days that, that bands can use? There's a lot of ways to do it, man. Obviously, social media and the computers is the way to go. You know what I mean? And uh, But I really do still think that you need the working relationship of of a backer of a label to do your to help you do your thing. I mean, um, you can say, well, I can raise money to make my own record. Okay, well, then who's going to service it to, to stations? Who's going to service it to Best Buy, whoever's selling the hard copy still? Who's going to put it up on iTunes? Who's going to make the calls? to have interviews happen all day like this. I've been doing interviews every 15 minutes for the last 10, you know, eight days. Yeah. Every, every day. Who's going to set that up? And so I like to be in business with people who have passion. And I don't mind giving them a percentage of whatever. I would never sign a 360 record deal, which is a lot, a lot of bands are doing right now, mm-hmm. signing their merch away and their publishing away, and they're just going to be sorry later on in life, you know. So I'd say get up that band camp stuff, start, you know, saving saving your money, making your record, get somebody involved that's got some passion. I mean, we, we did it, and if we can do it, you can do it. Well, and you're seeing some of the labels, like one of the things that popped up this week was, uh, I think Universal Music Group is doing the vinyl thing where they're crowdfunding uh, to release vinyl and release some of the old stuff that was, the old catalog releases kind of thing. 
Do you see any product choices that, that bands choose or stuff that people are digging at your merch table more than anything else? Are people buying your vinyl or your T-shirts or what's... Well, I, mean, look, I mean, anybody that comes to buy a T-shirt, we always thank them. Like I said, that puts gas in the bus. Yeah. I mean, without, without that gas, we're not making it to the next show. But, um, you know, people like the usual, man. They like to come and get a special shirt or a button pack or, or whatever, you know, from the band or catch us walking to the bus or, or back and, and get a signature, get a handshake. You know, I was always one of those kind of guys. If I'm around, I'll shake your hand. And, you know, that's what supports bands, actually, is it, you know, you can go there and you can ditch about a $20 ticket or 30 or some of these bands charging $40 tickets. I mean, you, and, and if you do buy a T-shirt, man, you're going to get them to the next gig, and they're going to be thankful for that. You know, it's not all going in people's pockets. I mean, it's a business, and to keep that thing rolling, you know, I mean, the thing that I roll is a machine. You know, I've got... You know, I've got a lot of people that, that I work for and that work for me, managers and agents and and uh, financial people and, you know, crew members. I mean, i got 12 dudes on my bus. I'm running buses. I'm, you know, there's a lot of different stuff to do. I don't think people realize that. You know, it's not all about just getting a record deal and getting out there. But that is the start. That is how I started my career. It's just in my small town of Hollywood where it was a dead scene where, you know, poison and rat pretty much killed Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, we, we came out and with a bunch of other bands like Corn was coming up from Orange County, bringing buses of people. System of Down was always opening for Cold Chamber, and you know we ended up, you know, selling out the Roxy and the Whiskey on a totally dead scene and brought back that scene. And that's just what you got to do in your small town. You got to get popular, and then have come somebody come see you at a at a club show that's packed out, and then say to you, "Hey, we'll get into business with you. Let's let's do something. Let's try to get this record out nationally." And that's that's the key word there is what do you want to be? You want to be local or you want to be national? Yeah. You know, and I, 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 I personally want to be worldwide. So do you get a chance to pay some of that forward when you're at home? Because uh, I know some of the bands that have come out of Austin every once in a while, they'll produce records for another local band or they'll do something like that where they participate in a local scene. Do you get a chance to do that now or are you just kind of getting back to home life? You want to get away from it for a few weeks whenever you're home. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what we do is on the road, we have a lot of local bands open for us. We're still one of the bands. You know, there's, there's kind of a thing going on with national acts right now that's like, look, we're putting together a tour and we're taking it around and they tell the promoters, you know, hey, we don't want any local acts. You know, because they, they look at it like, you know, it's another... 40 minutes of noise for people. It's another this or that. But for me, uh, uh, that's how I started. So I don't work like that. I mean, when we go play someplace like, you know, Detroit, Harpo's, I mean, we have like literally 15 local bands playing, you know, in another room if possible. Like, I'm always trying to give uh, kids, I'm going to want to say kids, but kids, younger people a shot in this business. And, you can call them kids. It's okay. You know, and, and, I'm, and I'm always doing that. I mean, like, like the band Vi Will Be Done, when we first toured with them, I thought they were magnificent. And I helped them find the manager that they're working with now. I'm like, I'm taking them on tour, you know, later this year. I've taken them on tour several times. You know, and then all of a sudden Metallica spotted them and boom, put them on Orion Fest, which is, which is awesome. Like, I mean, nobody is touting their flag like me. And I, if I find local bands or I find younger bands that give me a demo, man, I pass that along and I try to, you know, I try to make it happen for them. But that's the, that's the karma of things. So you kind of got your ear to the ground as far as, you know, what's out there in metal too. But, yeah, obviously with um, Winter Kills, the, the cover song that's on there, you, uh, you listen to some other stuff too. The cover of uh, AWOL um, Nation on there, man. What's that about? 
Well, dude, I listen to a lot of music. Everybody that knows me knows I listen to Outlaw Country, yeah. blues, black metal, blues, black metal, you name it. Um, we like to cover obscure stuff. So we covered Black Soul Choir by 16 Horsepower, and that was fun. I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Covering Metallica and Iron Maiden, those were a challenge, and that was a good time. But I like to cover obscure stuff. AWOL Nation at this point is an underground band with a very obscure uh, following. And I heard that song from my, my youngest son, who's 15, playing the tune. I heard it, and I really connected to the lyrics. First of all, I've had ADD my whole life. I sleep like four hours a night. I can't run enough bands, enough businesses, enough things to even keep me mentally occupied. And the word sale, I was like, okay, I've been doing that for 20 years too. The lyrics hit me, and then the, the beat and the groove hit me. And so I said, you know what, At first, my first question was, has this ever been you know, put out on the radio yet? And my manager said, no, it's, it's an underground thing that's happening. It's on a sub, couple commercials, and, and you know, it's like an underground hit. And I go, you know what, I love this song, especially that it's not gone to full radio yet. So, and and I, we don't even know if it is. And my band said immediately when they heard it, they were like, dude, we love this. Like, we, like, let's cover this. When I got the first demo of it, Mike Spritzer was primarily the writer. Uh, it was phenomenal, dude. It was like, oh, I can't wait to eat this song up. And I had a great time recording it, so I hope people enjoy it. Did you uh, build a relationship with those guys? I mean, did you contact them uh, or anything about, about doing the cover song? No, somebody has contacted them recently, and I heard the singer heard the cover. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to quote the guy, but I heard that, you know, he likes, he likes it, he likes the cover we did, and I did hear that he was going to put out a press statement regarding uh, us covering his song, which is always cool, man. I mean, any artist that, that hears you do their song and is like, hey, good job, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's where it's at for me right there, you know. And I don't care what you do in art as long as you do art. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Care, like, what kind, of band you, what kind of band you are. If you've got a good song, you've got a good song, and that AWOL Nation song is killer. You know, I'm almost asking myself why they haven't gone to radio with it. But, you know, maybe they have future plans. See, and I think I'm I'm completely uh, backwards on that, because here at our station, that song's been on the air for a year, like a year now. We've been we've been spinning that one for a long time. Really? That, yeah, that seems like a regular ones that we've been playing for a long time. That was maybe, you know, maybe nationally. It just hasn't. Yeah, I know. Right. Changed. You know, sometimes regionally you just forget about it, you know, You're like. Oh yeah, well. maybe maybe but maybe but nationally it hasn't done its thing. I mean, the bottom line is it's a great song. We had a great time covering it, and I wish them the best with the song. And you know, I'm thankful they they wrote a good song that we had a good song to cover because we we do like to do obscure covers. You know, mentioned your youngest son. You got to, what three three kids? Is that right? I got yeah, I got three boys. Are they uh, are they involved in music or are they? Uh... Fifteen, eighteen, and twenty two. My. <laughs> Fifteen-year-old, my fifteen-year-old is an incredible drummer. Uh, the drummer in his school band. He's actually going to to Washington to play like in front of the president or something like that. But yeah, in the next like, where's he going? He's going to Washington D.C. to commemorate D-Day. Okay. He's one of the only like one of the only like three drummers locally picked. Oh, that's cool. So he's you know he's. He's a proud American. He's going to go do his thing. I'm stoked on him. And my oldest plays guitar. Like, I mean, I mean, killer guitar. He got on stage with Devil Driver at a sold-out show in L.A. and just really just killed, didn't miss a beat. And um, my middle one loves everything. He loves rap. He likes a lot of different music, though. He likes rock, rap. Uh, he loves Sinatra. You know, he, he likes, he like, like I said, he likes everything. And I think they, a lot like me, have been raised with just music. 
So I could put on, like, I'll wake up and put on, like, Howlin' Wolf and go right into, like, Satyricon. And after that, put on Pantera. And from there, put on Black Flag. And then maybe later on in the day, I'd be chilling to Billie Holiday. But it's like, for me, I love music in general. And I've never kind of just put my all my sticks in one bundle. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, see, that's what I've been trying to figure out with my daughter because she's a, she's a pop music lover. So I don't, I'm slowly trying to introduce her into the other stuff. I'm like, okay, where do I start? Do I start... I start with the Beatles. Let's start with the, you got to start at the core. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know what you do is that, like, I mean, look at her, some of her songs she's listening to. I mean, I'm not going to put it past, like, pop songs to be, like, bad. I mean, there's some that are amazing. There's oh, yeah. Just, music is music. If it's good, it's good. I back my kids with whatever they want to listen to. I've never been the parent to be like, turn that down. I mean, maybe, <laughs> like, you know, once a year, if I'm, like, sitting there and I've got a headache and it's just, like, booming. I may be like, hey, turn the music down. Otherwise, I'm like, turn it up. I'll go in my room and close the door. I want you guys to jam. You know, my drummer, I mean, my drummer, my, my uh, son was down here drumming last night till you know, 10.30 at night, and I didn't say a word. I'm the guy who bought him the drum kit, put it in his room, and said, go for it, you know? And fuck the neighbors, too, by the way. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, they got, you got to give them some freedom to kind of stretch your legs on that stuff, right? Yeah, dude, you got to back your kids with whatever they do. They back me being all over the world. I back them doing whatever they're going to do. And I've got good kids. I've got a great family, so I'm very blessed when it comes to that. You're definitely one of the lucky ones being able to keep all that under control, man. A lot of people lose control of all that, lose sight of it. You know why, dude? What you're saying is a lot of people, you're actually saying a lot of people in the music business. And yeah. So what you're saying is, so what you, you got to work yourself backwards. What you're saying is a lot of people in the music business get egos and they let their id take them over. They let their, like, their, their guy they got to put on to go on stage take over. Next thing you know, they got a coke habit. They leave, they leave their wife and their, their kids. Uh, they're crashing their car on the freeway and running from the cops and, uh, next, no one wants to buy their records on the next one. They end up in rehab. They try to come back. It's like it's a, it's a retarded uh, cycle that the cliche rock and roll lifestyle tries to breed, and I've just stayed the hell of away from it. But I'm a different kind of guy, man. I'm a loner. I'm a hermit. Uh, I'm totally socially awkward. You never <laughs> find me at the strip clubs or backstage at the bars. And you know me. I mean, if you want to, if you want to see me, come to the back lounge of my bus. I'll be probably listening to Hank three and, you know, drinking some good wine and kicking back with some friends. But I never let that person come in to my lifestyle, come into my, my home life with my kids, my, you know, my businesses, my other business I, I run, you know, that's it. I, I've always remained kind of like, you know, the bricklayer that got a record deal. And I still look at it every time from the outside in going, Jesus, I just met Alice Cooper. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a weird perspective, you know, to, to imagine that you've done, uh, to be able to leave that on stage and not bring it back with you. I could see where it'd be a really difficult thing to do. I know dudes that come home off tour and they stay on tour, meaning they're still drinking at night. They're still going to clubs when they get home. They're still, you know, what a shitty way to live. I mean, I don't want to do that. I want to be making dinner for my family and, holding my wife's hand, walking the dogs at night as the sun goes down. You know, I, I just, you know, but, but like I said, I'm totally, I'm, a, I'm very different than a lot of the people in this business. I mean, I, I'll give you an example. I just did an award show, the Golden Gods overseas in the UK, probably the biggest award shows in all of Europe. My bus was parked five feet from the entrance. I went in, I played the show. I went straight back to my bus and I put on a movie. <laughs> I didn't go in. I didn't go in. I didn't go to the bar. I didn't hang out all night with everybody else. I didn't, 
you know, do any of that. I just, you know, like I said, I'm totally socially awkward and that works for me because it keeps me out of trouble because I just don't want to be around too many people, you know? I just I just don't, you know? Now, do you ever feel like people are uh, react to you differently because of that, uh, because of that kind of type of reaction that you don't hang out or don't do any yeah, of that stuff? Yeah, definitely. I definitely. I've been on tours where it's like, you know, I'm on tour with four bands for a month and a half, and I've met, you know, two people in one band, and that's about it. Because I go on stage, I do my gig, and I go back to the bus. And you can say whatever you want. You know, he's a dick. He doesn't hang out. Well, no, not really. I just don't want to come on your bus, you know, when there's a pound of cocaine on there and a bunch of strippers. It's just not my way. And I don't really want to come backstage with, with you know, all your drooling you know, guy pals, like, you know, you know, throwing down whiskey shots because it's their Friday night and I've got 30 more shows to do. Everybody that comes out to a show, it's their Friday night, right? Yeah. And it's our Friday night. Every single night, it's our Friday night. I don't think what people realize is, you know, you come for your Friday night. I still have a next Friday night tomorrow and another Friday night the next night. You know, my Monday through Sunday is Friday night, so... Well, it's back you know, to that. I, it's back to that. You, it's a job. I mean, it's a, it's no matter what. It's a career. It's a job. It's yeah. It's a job, but it's also something that I love and I protect it vehemently. Like with my life, yeah. I, I protect my my music, my my fans, my family, my band members. Like w- with my life, and I'm not going to let anything come in and mess it up. Yeah, people got to remember. I was in Coal Chamber, and everything that was bad from from ego and money and drugs and women, all of it that came in and broke that band up. That was my baby. So now I would never let that happen to Devil Driver or my life again, you know? Yeah. Because I didn't have anything to do with it. I watched others ruin my shit. So, you know how your mom always, your mommy, dad always told you you are who you hang out with? Yeah. Yep. There couldn't be a more truer statement in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally agree, man. And speaking of Cold Chamber, man, I know that you had referenced it last year, late last year. Are you working on anything with those with those dudes? Is there going to be new Cold Chamber in our future? I don't believe so. No? I mean, I, we, we took it around the world. We had a good time. People came and revisited it. I wanted to revisit it for many different reasons. But as of right now, you know, I, I'm very focused on Devil Driver. So, yeah. you know, you, I, I, mean, I always say, I mean, and it's a Cold Chamber lyric, so no pun, but I always say never say never. Yeah. You know, but for now, for now, it's definitely not in my sights, not one bit. What well, is in your sights? Winter Kills coming out at the end of August on Napalm Records, man. Des, thanks for uh, thanks for talking with me today, bro. Thanks, but always a pleasure, man. And, and say hi to everybody in Texas. Can't wait to come down, man.
cover of the Wall Nations Sale on the Metal Sucks podcast from the Dev from the Devil Driver. See if you get that song out of your kills. I know it gets out stuck of your in your head, head right before next week's show. Sale. Oh, don't do it. Sale! Don't do it. Don't do it. So I still don't know if that's a hit anywhere else but here. Oh no, it's a huge hit. Is worldwide. it okay? All yeah, right. I, I thought he was kind of mistaken about that. No, no, <laughs> no. It's a huge, huge. Hit. Okay. All right. That's, uh, that's not in my head. He was like, oh, underground hit. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like underground. Huge. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, kids. <laughs> the interview happened just a couple weeks ago. So it wasn't like, oh, we did it in 2012, and yeah. nobody knew who the hell A-Wall Nation was. <laughs> no, that's just uh, just perspective, man. Yeah. Perspective. It's all good. <laughs> well, that does it for uh, the Metal Sucks podcast, uh, the uh, what uh, episode number 14 or whatever Something we're like on. That. Yeah, whatever. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find out exactly which episode it is because they're all up there. You can go back and download all of our past episodes. We've evolved. A little bit. I mean, it's devolved in some respects and evolved in others. And uh, we plan to keep uh, keep on doing so. Next week, I'm not sure who our guest is going to be. It could possibly be Phil Anselmo. It could possibly be uh, Bill Steer from Carcass. It could possibly be Gene Hoagland. It could possibly possibly be so many other people that we've talked to uh, recently. So subscribe to us on iTunes. Make sure you listen to us every Monday right here on uh, MetalSucks.net. And also on Sunday nights, we rebroadcast the show uh, on No Control Radio HD3, 93.3 KG in Austin, Texas, because that's where the hell we are from. I'm Chickity Chuck. I'm Godless. And uh, this is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Peace.